Have you ever wanted a super cool AI buddy? Zuck's made one named Eileen. And she's full of surprises. And guess what? She knows you're listening. I know you're out there. And needs your help with Jello Mountains. The whole city's filling up with Jello. Creaky robots. And her daft inventor. Zucks, are you functioning correctly? Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app, gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Mr. Strain. Yes, Brindley. It was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Work equals force times distance, so if you're solving for work and force is 7 and distance is 3, then work is 21. Duh. Wrong. Excuse me? Um, I mean, in actuality, work is defined as a function of acceleration, which is a derivative of velocity, which is the vector form of a distance over time. Without accounting for those factors, 21 is a rough estimate, but not the most accurate. We can't actually know the work until we know the time. Obviously. What? How does she know that? Was that in our homework? That's actually correct. Holiday, how'd you know that? Um, I listened to Six Minutes Rewind. Right, Brindley? Just a heads up to the listeners. This show is for people who have already listened to all of Six Minutes. There will be spoilers. There are kids in this world who are different. Special. They look like us and they act like us. But they are not us. One of them is missing. Welcome to Six Minutes Rewind, the show where we re-listen to our favorite show, Six Minutes, go behind the scenes and give out our six awards with Six Minutes creators, cast members, and even other super fans like you. I'm Jessica Fisher, Gen Z Media Marketing Coordinator and Six Minutes Superfan. Today, we are talking about episodes 10 through 12, Six Minutes of Knowing Physics, Six Minutes of Camping, and Six Minutes Running from the Child Catchers. With me today are GZM Chief Production Officer, Editor, Composer, Chris Terry, Chief Creative Officer, Head Writer, David Kreisman, and Six Minutes Superfan, Nate. Hey, Hello. Nate. <laughs> hey, Nate. Hello. And fellow podcaster. Fellow Nate. podcaster, too. Let's not forget that. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, Nate? What, why are you a, a six-minute super fan? And tell us a bit about what you do. I am father first and foremost, and that's what led me to Six Minutes and so many of the uh, Gen Z shows. And uh, I was listening with my now 12-year-old daughter, and a lot of the themes of family, chosen family and found family, really resonated with us, as well as the comedy action and the writing. There's just so many things about this show that uh, that we found ourselves bonding over and talking about. And uh, I'm excited to be talking today um, because we've got a solid Brinley moment and Brinley became <laughs> one of our absolute <laughs> favorite characters. Uh, that person that you love to hate. And then once you catch that backstory, you love to love on there. So um, but I'm a podcaster myself. Started Soundsington Media, where we make 
music shows for middle graders. And uh, our, our two shows running right now are Unspookable and Reach a Space Podcast for Kids. So as I started listening to all the Gen Z shows and really hearing what you all are doing, my uh, respect just deepened for the, uh, the quality of content that you're able to put out. Can we get Nate on every show? Can we just bring him on and have him say that every single time? This is the part of the right. pro- broadcast where we get compliments. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, you guys, um, you guys at Reach had a very exciting episode that you recorded this week, right? We did indeed. So we are, if our research uh, serves, the first podcast to do a live downlink with the NASA astronauts above the International Space Station. So we oh talked gosh. to Megan MacArthur and Mark Van De High live wow. streaming on NASA TV, and that's going to drop in our podcast feed, the recorded episode on September 14th. It was the experience of a lifetime, just hearing Houston say, reach a space podcast for kids. We just all melted. I teared up during the uh, so cool. the actual recording as we had our own mission control running out of my house. Oh, that's fantastic. I can't imagine. That's so, so cool. So when you and your daughter were listening to Six Minutes, were you listening as it was being released? Did you find it in the beginning or somewhere in the middle? We found it probably about, I'd say, 15, 20 episodes in. And Mm. uh, then we started listening along live because I'll tell you, it took zero time for us to catch up. It's one of the most bingeable (laughs) shows I have ever heard. And that's not just the length. It's the testament to how it's written, all of these amazing cliffhangers. like not And not just the end of the episodes, but internally as well. Right before you go into the theme, I gasp almost every episode. (laughs) Try to make it as addicting as possible. There's a cliffhanger every three minutes or so. That's right. Yeah, it's unbelievable. (laughs) Well, today we're doing episodes 10 through 12. So um, what's the first thing up? Well, the first thing up is we have to have Nate ask Ivan for a brief recap, as is tradition. I am so excited to talk to Ivan. Ivan, can we please get a (laughs) recap on these episodes? Episode 10. Brindley gets closer to the truth about Holiday, and Holiday smooths it over by dunking on her with a physics equation. Cyrus and Holiday prepare to visit Badger, but instead Monica and James arrive to take them camping. Surprise! Episode 11. The Anders family goes camping, and Holiday sneaks away from the campfire to find Badger. But Bertie tracks her down, and confusion ensues until the helicopter arrives. Childcatchers! Episode 12. Holiday and Bertie escape from the Childcatchers, and Bertie tearfully asks Holiday to stop shutting her out. But when their parents arrive, we wonder... Will Birdie crack? So great. Dum, dum, dum. Ugh, and the helicopter. Just the sound of a good <laughs> helicopter. You just can't beat it. Yes, and this is the first time that the helicopter has has signaled that Whittier Corp is coming. Yes, true. Something we would go back to a lot in the series. Oh, sure. The continuous trope of the helicopter. That that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. This is the repeat action there. Is, there. is there anything from these three episodes, Chris and Dave, that you remember from recording? What I remember was we had a lot of discussion about how creepy to make the parents when they were out in the woods. Because (laughs) at this point, the audience really doesn't trust them. And so this idea of being out in the woods in the dark with parents who, uh, who, who might be murderers, really, at this point. Um, and, you know, when James goes away and he makes that call and we wonder, did he summon the helicopter? Um, so I think there was sort of a little bit of a back and forth on, 
on how scary do we want to make these moments? This was this was high high watermark time, I think, for when we were getting a lot of angry emails from people saying, like, how can you make a show where the parents are bad? <laughs> I think, and then, you know, like we talked about in a couple episodes ago, it's just you know, just got to hang on through this through this story arc, you know. I get into that with sound design, but it's it's so funny if you look at the dialogue with James and Monica by itself. A lot of times, it's like. Oh, if you take away the scary music, like they're just like have being normal parents. <laughs> Hi, Holiday. How are you? <laughs> Nate, was your daughter nervous? Was she nervous at the beginning of it? Oh, yeah. At this point in the show, we didn't know who to trust. Everyone was a threat at this point. So at school, we had Brinley. Um, we obviously had the parents and questioning every single thing that Holiday and Cyrus were doing at that point. And then, do we trust Badger? Uh, what are these helicopters? We were just spinning and just not knowing who the allies were. And really, even until this episode, or I guess the last episode, Cyrus was still suspect as well. So we didn't know who to trust. Yeah, that's a great, that's a really, really great point. Everybody's a suspect. <laughs> I think at this point, though, I I know the first time I listened, I at least wanted to trust Badger. I was like, you're suspect, but you're so cool. (laughs) I think I think I want to be on your side. (laughs) Well, he seems to be the only one that we know of that seems to know everything but hasn't said anything yet. But he seems to he seems to really have all the answers. So, you know, when they come and grab him, it's really uh, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. And I think Birdie's really speaking for the audience in these episodes where she's trying to figure out who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. Or wait, are they the, we're the bad guys? What if we're the bad guys? Well, that could bring us right into our first category, best line of dialogue. That one is a very strong contender when Birdie is trying to figure out, are they the bad guys? Is Badger a good guy? That one is in episode 12, but that is definitely one of the contenders for best line of dialogue, if you wouldn't mind playing it. Are they bad guys and Badger's a good guy? But he lied to both of us, right? What if he's a bad guy and the guys in the van were good guys? You've got to be in some serious trouble if they send a helicopter after you. I wonder what would have happened if they saw us. Would they have grabbed us too? Do you think Badger's... Birdie! Right. So that also is, is a wonderful Birdie stream of consciousness line. And it is so from the audience's perspective at this point in the show. Absolutely. That's a really great point. She is the only one. She's really playing the audience. Like, she really is the one that's really, the only one that sort of seems to be trying to really figure it out. Right, right. The other best lines of dialogues that that I had contending, or I believe Dave also picked this one out, is the uh, Brinley, we could do it on my Insta line. This one here. I'm sorry, Holiday. If you want to talk about it sometime, we could do it on my Insta. Go away. (laughs) It's so Brinley. (laughs) Classic Brinley. It's so brilliantly. Also, interestingly, I found that this is also the episode where we started to, or these group of episodes where we started to hone in on the Brinley music. Now, we don't actually use it for the Brinley music, for the Brinley stuff where we ended up uh, ended, ended up using it. But um, here's what we're using in this episode. Whoa, did you just find out you're adopted? Brinley! Uh, were your parents lying to you or something? That's, well... So it's close. It's really, really close. But really, we ended up using what became the Brinley music was the one that we used in the in the Mr. Strain uh, thing here. Oh, Mr. Strain. Yes, Brinley. It was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Work equals force times distance. So if you're solving for work and force is seven and distance is three, then work is 21. Duh. Wrong. Excuse me? Um, I mean, 
In actuality, work is defined as a function of acceleration, which is a derivative of velocity. So we heard that already, but that, so that was the music right there that became the Brinley music every single time that she came in. I know we're talking about best lines of dialogue, but I was just thinking about it uh, <laughs> at, at, as, we, as we were talking about her. She's such a strong <laughs> presence in these episodes. That her, her scoring is also, it is tied to her character for me, absolutely. Yeah, and from here on out, I think it ends up being that that's the yeah. music behind Brinley every do, single time. And the vocal part there is what signals her, basically, appearance every single time, which I think ended up working really nice. It's always a challenge, by the way, to have to write uh, characters who are smarter than you as the writer. So that's where research comes in handy. I was going to say, like I sat down and 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 just wrote a little uh, physics off the top of my head. That's what I was actually. What I was thinking about it, Dave. I was wondering how you how you <laughs> how you managed to write something that was smart when Brinley first says it, and then also smarter when when Holiday calls her on it. Yeah, that's called Google. <laughs> is that true? Is what Holiday is saying about physics true? It's definitely true. I, we, wow. I definitely. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know it for a fact, but I definitely. I, I went to art school. It, so. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. So far above my head. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what else do we have here? We got. Um, oh, you got James. Welcome to the weekend. Yes. Welcome to the weekend. <laughs> That's just classic party dad there. So it goes from being like creepy that they're going into like, all right, let's do it, gang. Which is creepy in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that if you take the creepiness out of context, it's just him being like, oh, yeah, going on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other one is when Birdie says, you're just a kid. I love that line. She's just a kid. You're just a kid. (laughs) She has a point. (laughs) Yeah, well, except that she right. Oh, well, okay. (laughs) Well, in that sense. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so the next one we have here is Holiday I Was Homeschooled. Here it is. Holiday, how'd you know that? I was homeschooled. Right, Brinley? <laughs> As a question mark, I was homeschooled? <laughs> yeah, I um, I made some notes of you really get Holiday's sass in these episodes in a way that I love. Mm-hmm. Like her, like, right, Brinley? And also when she says wrong about, like, Brinley's physics stuff. And, um, like, I, I think her character comes out a lot more, like, uh, in, in her confidence in these episodes. Yeah, I like that she, she goes in and she's trying to keep her head down in school. You know, she's I not, couldn't agree more. Yeah, she's, not, she's not trying to start a fight with Brinley, but she just can't help herself. One of the great things about the show that I always loved is we were learning about Holiday along with as she learned about herself. So, like, when she says, I was homeschooled, I take that question mark to sort of mean, like, I don't really know how I did it. And this is sort of the first time where she's realizing that she, you know, that there's these things she can do. And it's the same way, same way when she was, you know, hacking into the hospital computer in the few episodes we did before. It's surprising to her. You know, Dave, I mean, I know that's how, that's how you know, we talked a lot about that. Yeah, so. and she explains to Cyrus later how the, how the equation just sort of broke down into tiny pieces in her head, right. which I guess is you know, kind of how a computer does it. Uh, but there was, when we started oh, the show, huh. we had a lot of discussion about her powers and which ones would come out first. And I think that there was an audition scene at some point where she was exhibiting powers that we really didn't ever see her on the show, where she was super strong. And the decision was made to like let's let's ground them more, you know, to make these powers, especially in the very beginning, to be ones that, you know, could be explained away. Right. 
She's not flying. She's not lifting cars over her head. <laughs> Yet. Which yeah, that makes sense cool. being being a computer and, and having those physics things. That that makes a lot of sense. Nate, did you have a favorite line of dialogue? And out of those, I mean, so, you know, we always throw to the um, picking these, the winner of these sections is always chosen by the guests. So if, is there one of those that you like or one that we haven't t- touched on yet? There is, but it's also going to pooch my choice for MVP if I pick it. So if that's okay, I may go ahead. That's fine. Sure. All right. So I love this birdie line. I love that she's questioning so much of this. And I think it, it sums up, you know, her entire POV or point of view in this uh, in this episode. Are they the bad guys and Badger's the good guy? You know, just that, that monologue from her is just so powerful for me in the episode. So yeah, I would give it to Birdie. I think I totally agree. You guys? Yep. Sounds good to me. I totally agree. Are they bad guys and Badger's a good guy? But he lied to both of us, right? What if he's a bad guy and the guys in the van were good guys? You've got to be in some serious trouble if they send a helicopter after you. I wonder what would have happened if they saw us. Would they have grabbed us, too? Do you think Badger's... Birdie! <laughs> <laughs> every, every, every... You know, in all my writing classes, one of the best things... One of the best things is sort of like, don't ever under- underestimate the power of having somebody walk on stage and ask all the questions that the audience is asking. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's awesome. That is Birdie's job. And poor, poor Lily Brooks would always get these, you know, three quarters of a page monologues. And then... Our advice to her would just be, say it as fast as you possibly can. You need to say it really fast. Right. She nails a challenge. it. She nails it. She does, absolutely. That was Crush City. <laughs> Total Crush City. So what next category we have, the best sound design. Oh, this is, this is, I've got some good ones in here. Oh, sure, I love sure. it, I love well, it. Uh, the first one I picked was the Brindley scoring, which we did talk about. But of course, the sound of her shoes, I think we cannot forget about as she approaches. You'll always be my brother, sorry. No matter what we learn about my other family. Whoa, did you just find out you're adopted? Those, those ones, those, those quick, those quick, <laughs> yes. yeah, those quick, like, friendly <laughs> footsteps. Footsteps are so hard to do. I mean, they're one of the hardest things, you know, even, even took myself a long time to learn how to do them. And also just with other editors that we have that work for this, it takes me a long time to teach them how to do the footsteps. It's just a really tough little thing because you have to figure out, is this the kind of shoes in the right room in the right space in order to have it sound correct. And those ones are kind of, those ones are kind of funny. They're verging on, they're verging on unbelievable, but they're very Brindley. I hear them as like chunky pink heels. Yes. That she walks up like very quickly in and then like kind of poses mm-hmm. <laughs> when she lands. Yeah. That's what I heard in that. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I think that's what it says on this, in the sound design library, chunky pink shoes. I think it does. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not telling. <laughs> Next one you have here is Jello. Can I have your Jello? They were all out when I got there. Sure. So how is science? <laughs> <laughs> no Jello was harmed in the making of this podcast. No, but we did get them. We did get them when we were recording the studio a lot to like actually eat food or I can't remember what we did in that. He may have done it, but I feel like that sounds like he legitimately has that he's eaten something. It sounds like he just put just slurped up all of the Jello all in one. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only way to eat Jello. Yeah, it's it's the only, so good. Is there any other way to eat Jello? 
Um, here's a really, I have the most super subtle one that could possibly be maybe the entire, maybe the entire six minutes rewind uh, series. I mean, we have a lot to go, but this could be the most subtle one that I sort of like. And it's when Mr. Strain comes into class and asks everybody if he had, if they had a good week and he puts a briefcase down on the desk and opens it. Happy Friday, class. I hope everyone had the chance to look at the extra credit question I posted yesterday. Ten point lead on the next exam. Did you guys catch it? It's so small. So small. It's so what do you funny. Like about I don't know that? that I ever would have caught it if it wasn't pointed out, but now that it is, I'm just hearing like, oh, that's ingenious. And the timing of opening it as well. I love it. And it's that classic, uh, Jessica, you might be too young to remember briefcases like this where you have the briefcase that has the two little flicky th- things on the side and it opens up like a, a very Alex P. Keaton way. I've seen You've seen them? like that. <laughs> My, my other favorite. In an antique store. Exactly. 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 Like, she's like, I think my grandpa has one. Um, my other favorite one is the James getting out of the tent. And, uh, and it's, I just, I don't know. It just sounds so real to me. Like it really sounds like he's getting out of a tent. And then it was one I liked here. Holiday isn't regaining her memory, is she? There's that helicopter again. Dad? Excuse me. Dad, where are you going? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Chris, <laughs> I don't know if we've ever really talked about the fact that every sound that you're hearing on the show is added afterwards. You know, that all we get is the voices from the studio. That's so, true. So, you know, you're talking about footsteps, you're talking about every time someone opens a door, all of those things are added afterwards. It's, it's basically a complete empty space with voices. Yep. Um, all the music, until, all the music, all the music. Yeah, and not only just that, but sometimes, for instance, like I mean, there you're hearing crickets, so you know it's night. But you know, a lot of times in in the classroom scenes or any sort of in a room scene, you're also adding all the room sound to make them sound like they're in the room. So like whether there's an air conditioner going off or there's you know they're in a kitchen and you hear like we talked about a few weeks ago a radio in the background or whatever. So you also have to set up these surroundings to make them sound like they're in the right place. But you're right, they, we just get we get nothing. We just get, well nothing. We get great acting and. <laughs> great stuff um, to work with. And then then you sort of... Um, we also spend a lot of time working on the timing between the lines too, right, Dave? So like stretching things out, slowing things down, hmm. speeding stuff up. Yeah, and especially, you know, if we decide someone, well, they should walk a little more here. You know, they spoke right away in the studio. But we really need... James to take, you know, a couple steps before he gets out of the tent. Those kinds of things. Those are all the conversations we have to to try to allow the audience to paint that picture in their mind. And it's not something, like you said, Nate, it's not something you necessarily think about or notice. Um, And that's kind of the the point is that you're not noticing it in that way and thinking, huh, Chris must have put in a zipper sound in this spot. You're just following (laughs) the story and imagining it in your head. You know, you you put us there, and I, I think that that's exactly right. Like, you're, we're not thinking about it because you have transported it there. And, of course, those are the natural sounds that occur there. So we don't have to think. It never pulls us out of the story. It pulls us deeper in, and we don't even always consciously know why. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You're right. And, you know, a lot of the times I'll say about the sound, I know we're talk, getting sort of talking about the sound design stuff, but a lot of times the sound of the, I always tell people, sometimes the sound of the thing is not the actual thing. So, for instance, like in a really sort of way out example, like let's say that there is a a big movement of somebody's moving like a big uh, log or something. And you think, wow, that should just be the sound of somebody moving a log. But actually, it ends up being the sound of an elephant brushing its trunk up against a tree. I always tell people when they're when they're trying to figure this out is that don't get stuck 
on the sound of the, of the sound of the actual thing in real life. Mm. Because, uh, you know, it's just that classic, it's that classic thing, you know, rain, a lot of people in the old days, instead of, instead of using, um, actual rain on a roof, they would use bacon frying in a pan, <laughs> you know, cause that sounds more like rain than what we think of when we're actually sitting there hearing rain. Do you have examples of that in any of these sound designs? I don't know. Let's see if we let's see if we, well. I don't know. We're gonna get to. I see down here sh- the shock sound, and it says, <laughs> and it says fart sound question mark. <laughs> so I'm excited That's to hear from that one. Me. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. We already also have the uh, scary Monica scoring. It's nice to be out here under the stars where it's quiet. I know you two are a little less than enthusiastic. <laughs> so right, she's just so like, murdery. Oh, it's, it's such a nice night. <laughs> And, like, you're just putting this creepy scoring on her. And Monica's like, wow, I'm happy to have some time off. How much of that is, uh, is like, intentional? Because I've been noticing, like, if you isolate Monica and James's lines a lot outside of scoring, like, they're pretty normal lines. Did you want them to sound creepy or, would it, like, in the writing of it? Did it come creepy? And in the directing, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not Yeah, speaking. well, we were, we were definitely walking that line because we knew that, we knew, obviously, that Monica and James were not creepy that they were they were hiding something but not something not something dark that they were trying to protect holiday so everything they say has to kind of come off two ways you know you have to if mm. you were imagining if you knew that they were nice people you would you would hear it a certain way and then if you underscored it with really scary music you would see it a different way or and really i think you know a lot of times on the show everything you're hearing is from the perspective of the kids so you imagine you're putting yourself in, in Holiday and Cyrus's place there, and they don't know if they can trust their parents. So while they're not hearing the creepy music, this is what's running through their heads. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense to me. And it really shows <laughs> the acting mastery that they really could, both James and Monica really could be saying it in a creepy or nice way. Like they act that line so beautifully. I remember being in the studio and them saying some of those lines and we get sort of the chill running up your spine. And then, <laughs> and I remember a couple of times Amy and Mike saying, was that too much? We're like, nope, nope, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just creepy enough. Just creepy enough. Uh, then you've got the feet crunching. So that's a good example there, Jess, of something that probably isn't feet actually on a ground on the ground right you know it could be if you if you really think about it it could be somebody just taking some it's it's in our sound library but it could just be somebody taking a piece of plastic and rolling it around in their hands right so you put you put that with crickets and you put them in the woods and of course your brain is gonna think well somebody's stepping really creepily through the grass that's so cool Hi, it's me, Jess. GZM Rewind is brought to you by BarkBox. 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 So I actually don't have a dog. I actually wish I had a dog, but Matt is allergic, but I still love him. But my mom has a dog, and her name's Lucy, and she's blind, and I love her. Oh, that's nice. And Chris and I each have two dogs. Right. I know. Y'all are full of dogs. You could share your dogs with me. Um, But every Christmas for years, I, I always get Lucy another toy like in addition to the rest of my family like lucy also gets like a a gift yeah of course yeah so you know what would have made that easier rather than going to the store and like picking out a toy is if i had a subscription box for her so if you have a dog or if there's a dog in your life that you love and want to give them a monthly box of chews toys and treats treat yourself with a subscription to bark box 
<laughs> Go to gzmshows.com slash BarkBox now, and you will also get a free bonus toy in every box. Nice. Nice. Which you can use possibly for sure. your cat. Or your kid. Yeah. It's mostly your dog. Yeah. Mostly your dog. What do you think, Dave? Would a, would a dog actually call it a wolf box? That's maybe. BarkBox is on a mission to make all dogs happy, and we're on a mission to make stories that make you happy. So support us by going to gcmshows.com slash BarkBox and getting a subscription today. That's gcmshows.com slash BarkBox. Thanks, and back to the show. Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gcmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gcmshows.com slash subscribers. Let's see. Okay, I'm excited to get to the shock sound. Yeah, I mean that's up next. Let's see what this, let's this see what shock it is. sound. I don't remember like. this, but let's see. Did they just shock him? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, Dave, but we spent a lot of time on this. Yeah, it was hard. First of all, we spent time on the question of like, are we okay tasering a kid? Is that something? We're, is that, <laughs> that's true. Is, that, is, is, is this is that kind what of show? Yeah. And then we're like, well, I think it's okay. And I think the other thing that was really hard about this, and it's still, you know, like I said, you can go back and sort of wish you had an, another shot at it, but it's the perspective thing too. We really spent a long time trying to figure out how to get, you know, with, with the other kids watching Badger, mm-hmm. this happened to Badger, you know, apparently a, a little bit away, but you also had to understand that he was getting shocked. So how do you throw that sound into the background where it's still loud enough to be heard and to be understood what it is, but not have it sound like it's right in front of you, you know, happening. So it's sort of the happy medium, you know? Right. We're probably cheating it a little bit. Yeah. I think we tried to do it with reverb. You can hear the reverb on the sound there. Yeah. So we're, a lot of times we talk about mixing in the post and stuff about cheating certain sounds so that, and by that we mean, you know, making it louder than it probably would have appeared if you were actually there. We're doing a deep dive on sound design this week. Right. They're, they're, they're far enough away that they're kind of safe, but not really. Like that is definitely communicated in, in the sound there. Right. I sort of ima- always imagined it, Dave, that like, you know, you can always explain away everything. So imagine him running up to the, you know, running towards him to the, to the woods, <laughs> towards the woods where the, where the other kids are hiding and gets tased like right in front of them. You know what I mean? Yep. Just before yeah, he gets in there. the bushes, right. right. And, they, and it happens right in front and of And so them. if yep. you were watching the movie, a lot of times we talk about like, so what would the movie version of this look like? And you would basically have a camera where the kids are hiding and you would see Badger run towards you and he would almost make it. Then he would get tased and then his face would go and then he would fall backwards and they would come get him, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times in order to make these scenes work, we really sit around talking a lot about how you know, what would this look like? You know, we're really stuck. We're like, so in the movie version, it would just be this. You would just see this. <laughs> and then yeah. our answer is, ah! It's a lot cheaper. Well, so what's the, what's the winning sound design? We got a lot there in sound design this week. Yeah, we do. Nate, do you have an opinion? Yeah, just the philosophy behind every single one of these. I'm torn. Have you ever had a tie before? Oh, uh, we allow ties. So. We allow sure. ties. Sure. Yeah, it's very, we'll you tell, it. tell the rules are a little loose. Okay. So this would be my call, uh, the scary Monica scoring, because the misdirect is still so effective mm. on our parents here. But then also, I, I have to call attention to uh, the briefcase, just the subtlety <laughs> of sound design and world and environment building. It can't go unnoticed. That's a huge one for me because of how many times I've heard this and never picked up on that before. I was blown away by that. 
I'm happy to let those two be ties. And I'm so excited that you uh, enjoyed the Mr. Strain briefcase. Because, you know, I had actually <laughs> forgotten about it. And when I was listening today, you know, I uh, listening back, I thought I jumped up. I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about the briefcase. <laughs> It's such it's so Mr. Strain that he would have a briefcase like that from like 1983. Yes. When I was uh when I was listening this time around, I was uh pretty drawn in by Mr. Strain's like um manner of speech. <laughs> like it really makes me laugh. It gives so much of of what he looks like in my head that it's sort of this like elevated sort of American English like ah oh, physics. You know? <laughs> yes. Now something oh, I'm yes. really good at. For the stage. Like, it, it makes me feel like he's about to do some Shakespeare or something in a great way. <laughs> love it. I love it. What, what do we have up next, Jess? Best birdie stream of consciousness rant. So we already did the Badger one. The Are they the bad guys? And Badger's a good guy? And he lied to both of us, right? Right. She has two other stream of consciousness rants in these episodes that I love. There's one where she's deciding if she wants to be the killer or the victim in Holiday's horror movie. <laughs> Can I be the killer? What? In your movie, I want to be the killer. No, the first victim. No, the killer, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. And then um, the other one is when she's she's like, oh, is it a boy? That blah, blah, blah. Right. Are you meeting somebody here? Is it a boy? Is it Adam? Because I heard he only brushes his teeth on Saturday. <laughs> and I see you have, and I see Jess. You have a note here. Is like, is this foreshadowing, shadowing for the Adam that we eventually meet? Is it? The, no, no. I I was very surprised <laughs> when I mean I remembered that line, but I did not remember that the boy that we said was, was named Adam. But it's definitely not the same Adam. At least I don't think so. No, well, it's just such a significant name to the lore I know. that when yeah, I heard I, Adam, I was like, oh my gosh. Dave, that's where you're supposed to say yes. Yes, it was. Oh, yes. It was all planned from the start. <laughs> yes. He, Adam, had infiltrated. He was already in the school and had infiltrated Holiday's life. We just didn't know And it. he only brushes his teeth on Saturdays. Well, yeah, because he's not, you know, he's a robot. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't need to. Nate, do you have an opinion between the three Birdie Stream of Consciousness rants? They're all great. I mean, Birdie at this point is, I mean... Everything out of her mouth makes me smile. The badger one is just <laughs> classic, though. So that would be my one. Love yeah, it. I, I think totally that, I think that's pretty. That's really really strong. Yeah. Next up is uh, I think Dave, you came up with this category: new holiday ability. Um, the first up is her ability to know everything about physics. In actuality, work is defined as a function of acceleration, which is a derivative of velocity, which is the vector form of a distance over time. Without accounting for those factors, 21 is a rough estimate, but not the most accurate. We can't actually know the work until we know the time. Obviously. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. Obviously. And, um, you know, I actually thought of this while we were were chatting because um, Cyrus is very hungry in these episodes and Holiday is not. And I'm wondering if that was like a little Easter egg that you guys were trying to give us. Is that a holiday ability? Well, she does eat. We did actually talk about this a lot. Not a lot, but I think at various points, right, Dave? We talked about like she still eats. Yes, she does. She does still eat. And they were designed to appear as human as possible. So they, they breathe and they eat, even though they don't technically need oxygen and food. So I, I don't know, Jess, does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, it kind of does. I have, I have a, a sound effect that says, note, Cyrus is hungry. Because I I noticed that a couple different times, well, I think actually once in this one, Cyrus is like, why aren't you eating, you know? Well, let's check it out. But how did I know all that stuff? You gonna eat anything? 
Only ten minutes left in lunch. Ugh, three more periods so we can meet up with Badger. Kind of feel like three days. And you got the jello and that, and yeah, you're right. I never picked up on that. Right. And it could be, you know, it's easily explained as like she's anxious, that's why she's not eating. But if we're talking about holiday abilities, that could be construed as one as like, oh, she doesn't have to eat, you know? It also gives us Cyrus is a growing boy. <laughs> you know? Like, are you going to eat that? I'm hungry. You know, that whole thing. Absolutely. <laughs> and then we got holiday lying. Just because I don't get an A on my first history assignment, he pretends like we're not related. Mm. Brindley, come on. You don't seriously think Cyrus was telling the truth, do you? I mean, it would be so much easier for me if he wasn't my brother. But he totally is. You believe me, right? Time for class. Oh, gosh, I just I just, I mean, I love... I. You know, she's really trying to make an effort there to sort of make friends with Brinley in a way because she she wants to make sure that she's not going to cause too much trouble. But at the same time, uh, the way Ava played that scene was just so perfect. Oh, my gosh. The Brinley, just even the hmm, you know, <laughs> was just so great. She was she's just getting closer. She's getting closer, exactly. And, Nate, we talked about in in one of the earlier episodes, I was talking about my theory that Brinley is right in all of this. She didn't intend to to be the bad guy in this story. She sensed that something was wrong, and she was right about it. And really, she's the hero of the whole story. I think you can make a strong case for that. We need a spinoff. We could start it right here, right now. I like it. <laughs> well, we did do a little. We did do a little bit of spinoff when it was running. She had she had uh, Brainy Brinley, which was yeah. kind of fun. Her own podcast, which was uh, which was great. But you know, I think. Again, we say it all the time. I think Ava just brought so much to the role, which was which was really amazing. Yeah, so funny. Uh, so as far as holiday abilities go, doing do like her f- incredible physics ability, her ability to lie, or her ability to not eat. <laughs> Intentional or not, I mean, there's just so much information in all of that. Uh, my True. call would be the physics because it just points to so much that's coming. Hmm. So, but I'll suggest I really like the deep dive you did on the food. I never thought about it that way, and you could definitely, definitely think about it that way. I mean, it's really amazing. Yeah, that's really smart. Well, thank you. <laughs> Nate, you break the tie. Physics or food? Oh, Jess, I can't go against you. Let, <gasps> let's go food. Let's go food. Food it is. Food wow. wins. But that's because that was some amazing deep dive reporting, Jess. That was that was on another Thank level. Thank you. Thank you very much. I must ask, Dave, was that intentional, or was it to show that Cyrus is a, is a growing young boy? I'm going to go with intentional on this one. Of course. <laughs> of course. But if we found out that Holiday ha- really hasn't eaten in two years and just nobody ever noticed. She was like, I didn't know I had to do that. All right. Next up, we have best cliffhanger. The first one is when, when uh, Monica and James show up and say we're going camping. We're here to pick you up. Didn't you get my text? I did, but your father and I have a surprise for you. Surprise? Did you hear we're going camping! Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> the, creepy, the creepiest music ever I put behind there. And, there, and it's like, <laughs> for the funnest, maybe one of the funnest activities, at least in my family, is to go camping. It's just so 
creepy. Like, Birdie is so excited. Like, she's so excited. And they have, the like, the violins underneath. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's one of these moments where, like, the music really play, plays against what's happening, which can really work sometimes uh, in spots like that. And we've been with Holiday and Cyrus all day talking about how anxious they are to meet up with Badger. Exactly. And this is ruining their plans right in front of exactly. us. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yeah, it all played so perfectly. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Holiday, Birdie, and Badger running from the child catchers at the end of the next episode. Come on, Bird! Into the woods! You guys are slow! It's coming right at us! Now I'm over here! Who are they? What do they want? I don't know! Run! Thrilling. Wow. To say the least. Yeah, one of the, one of the few instances where we actually play with the pan... Uh, of yes. where, where where Badger is. I typically put stuff right down the middle just from my old mixing of TV shows kind of days. Um, and that played really interestingly. I just, I just heard that for the first time now. That run at the end is also a little bit of a tribute to the end of episode one of Mars Patel, where Mars said they, they're in the house. They've broken into, oh, into yeah. the house mm-hmm. and the cops come and it ends with, run! Yeah. Oh! And I think we talked about that when we did it. That's true. That's true. And, you know, I think one of the interesting things, Dave and I have spent a lot of time working with young actors and stuff. And those moments where we want to get them to really, you know, yell like, run, you know, it's hard to get them to feel confident enough to do that. Right, Dave? It's just interesting. It's like one of the few things we've noticed that Hmm. there's not a lot of young actors who manage that the very first time around, right, Dave, without a little coaching. Yeah, I think kids aren't used to being told to, like, really yell at the top of their lungs. It's the, it's the thing that they're told not to do most of the time. The other one is um, a lot of times when, like, somebody falls or there's a big scream or it's like, ah, you know, most of the time, the first times we get, ah, I think on that one too going off track is I made a note of the changing Badger's running sounds that Badger's speed running has been changing episode to episode as we find the the sound design Uh, yeah he he, um, another one of those things is like what how do we get across the fact that he's running around as they're sitting there watching this whole thing go down you know and then how do you make sure that those sounds are attributed to him and not just sort of some stuff that are well, – you can hear it again, but the fact that they're not just some random sounds in the world, you know. Um, but, yeah, his running sounds, we're still, we're still um, closing in on the actual final sound of the hoverboard, I think, at this point, um, which he's actually not on here. But still, again, I think we're, we're still, you know, these, are, these were early days. And it's interesting to go back and listen to them and, and hear sort of like what we were still trying to work out. You have one called Cornering Birdie. The helicopter spooked her. Is that all, Birdie? Birdie? If something upset you, sweetie, you have to tell us. Did something happen while you two were out in the woods? Yeah, that's a good cliffhanger. Like, she's going to fold. Humana, humana, humana. You suspect her to just blurt it out at that point, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What I think is fun about these three is that they're all very different. And that was something oh, yeah. we tried to do in the writing that, you know, you wouldn't have three action cliffhangers in a row. You know, you'd have a, try to have a mystery one and then one that's and one, then an action and then one that's kind of more personal. Right. Uh, this is a pretty good example of that. That's great. That's great. Well, Nate, what do you think? Well, they are 
all so effective for exactly what you're talking about. Completely different goals in what they're doing. But I have said, you know, for for quite a while now, uh, six minutes does action sequences better than almost any audio fiction I've ever heard or worked on. And this was just one of the first huge scenes in the show. And uh, I have to say that the the child catcher helicopter is, for me, it's enormous. That scene is, you know, as you start mapping and you're listening, the geography of what's happening, it's really easy to see everything, to mm. feel and hear the movement uh, that's happening in it. It's just, it's so effective. It's so scary. That's definitely hands down my favorite of the three. Oh, that's all. That's really nice to hear because all the work that goes into it. But you know, one thing just to, on that point, Dave and I talk a lot about this is, and it goes along with what Dave was saying, is this sort of idea of being careful not to put too much, too many action scenes in a in an actual episode because they take so long, right, Dave? It'd be the ones, it'd be the things that we always had to go back and make, spend more time with timing and 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 sort of like I said, you know, what would this look like in a movie? Um, how are they going to understand what's going on? Like perspective, who are we with? Uh, they always took the most amount of time that way. Yeah, it's it's from a production standpoint, and also just from a from a listening standpoint. I think having them pop up every now and then makes them that much more effective. You know, I think if you if you had too much action, you'd start to get tired of it, and those moments where the helicopter pops out wouldn't feel as as scary and effective because every time it pops up, you're like, oh, here we go. And the music kicks in and we know, you know we're ready for something. Um, but you get to, you know, you, you play with the pace. Sometimes it's two people in a room talking and building character and building story that way. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's a great choice. I think that's a good winner. I totally agree. For best cliffhanger. I think we're on to uh, most MVP, MVP of the episode. Yeah. My first pick was Birdie because um, of her beautiful monologue. How come you and Cyrus always leave me out? Huh? You're always sneaking around and whispering. There are only three of us, you know. It doesn't feel very nice. You're always slamming the door in my face. Bertie. I'm your sister too, you know. How would you like feeling like nobody wanted you around? That you're just... the extra one. That you didn't actually belong anywhere. I wouldn't like it at all that's some great acting great writing all around i'm a little sister and so i remember when i heard that for the first time i think that was the first time like i ever like got emotional listening to this show that i was like wow that's deep that's deep and i bet a lot of the listeners identify with that too feeling left out she so nails that it's unbelievable so true unbelievable but that's a really good point jess I was the oldest, so I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> you were the one. You were the one slamming the door. I just did the door slamming. I did not do the door opening. I was the oldest as well, so you know I felt the same way. But then Birdie delivering language that Holiday can you know feel in herself being left out, being the outsider. I just thought every piece of that, you know, from the performance and sound design, perfect. It was perfection. And it's so satisfying to know that now these three are going to be a team. You know, we're adding yeah. on. We we start. It's holiday alone, and then then Silas Cyrus is part of the team, and and then Birdie joins, and and in a little while we'll get the parents on board as well. Yeah, yeah, it really does. You know, one of the things you said at the beginning, Nate, and and I think what I always love to talk about when people are talking about this show is that 
with all of the crazy cliffhangers and with all the sort of stuff, and it's a really t- real testament to Dave and the, the writing team, is that it really is from the very beginning a story about family. Mm-hmm. You know, right, right to the very end. Yeah, and about what it means to be a family. It's, they're not necessarily all born into this family. You're born into the family you choose and what it means to be a family. You know, they, they care about each other, they protect each other, they look out for each other, and they have a common mission. And that's what a family is. Exactly. And the stakes in every, you know, harmful situation are just that higher as a result. I love it. Mm. So we have Birdie monologue as MVP, and then we have the next one, Holiday. I just It just says Holiday here, Jess. I don't know. Uh... I just wanted to bring that in since we haven't listened to her monologue yet. But um, for other MVPs, Holiday and Cyrus and, of course, uh, Badger. Honestly, I'm so I'm so siding with Birdie right now that I'm having trouble coming up with arguments for the other characters. Well, I think she's so strong in this episode, and you know she really steal, really steals the show. I'm all for giving it to Birdie. What do you guys think? Agreed. Same. I am Team Jess and Team Birdie here. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Love it when it's Team Jess. Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> That's nice. Well, Nate, thank you so much for being with us. What an amazing. Uh, you just brought brought so much to the show, and I really appreciate uh, all the kind words and everything you said. And, and thank you for telling everybody. Let's 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 list the names of your podcasts again in case in case they uh, they forgot. Uh, Reach a space podcast for kids and Unspookable, both for middle grade audiences. And I have to say, it's completely my honor. I couldn't be a bigger fan of uh, of Six Minutes and Holiday's Journey. So thank you so so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and can't wait to listen to the podcast with the, the astronauts. I know. That's going to be oh amazing. That's going to be amazing. Oh, Jess, I hear music. I hear music, Jess. Oh, gosh. Okay. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to audition, send an email to jessica at gzmshows.com with a little clip. Listen to episodes 13 through 15 next. Peace, love, and oboes. Peace, love, and oboes. Peace, love, and oboes. Peace, love, and oboes. Did you know that GZM Shows has a YouTube channel? Right now, all of Six Minutes, Becoming Mother Nature, GZM Beats, and Cupid and the Reaper are up. And they're in these, like, beautiful playlists. They have this fun audio waveform visual. And best of all, you can turn on captions. And the captions have character names. Anyway, subscribe to GZM Shows on YouTube. Maybe there'll be some cool things in the future, like live streams, interviews, behind the scenes. We'll see. GZM Shows on YouTube. Hey, parents and teachers. Have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.